we're turning together this evening in God's Word to the Psalms and to the Psalm numbered 37. The Psalm numbered 37. It is a familiar Psalm to each one of us tonight, I'm sure. And I want us to take a fresh look at the Psalm and just to dwell on a few thoughts this evening before we come to our season of prayer. And we trust that the Lord will bless his word afresh to each and every heart this evening. The Psalm 37, and the title of the Psalm, you can see it is a Psalm of David. Verse 1, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thy envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Amen. We'll end there at verse 13. And may the Lord bless his word to each one of our hearts this evening. Well, tonight I would just center some thoughts around words in verse 7. And there in verse 7, the psalmist David encourages us to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass and it was particularly those words, wait patiently for him. The Lord impressed those words upon my heart for the meeting this evening. Wait patiently for him. And if we were to entitle the message this evening, we could call it waiting, not worrying. Waiting, not worrying. The psalm is entitled a psalm of David. 
And we learn if we were to look further into the psalm that it was a psalm of David when he was old. And you glance down to the verse 25 and he said, I have been young and now I'm old. And so David has penned this psalm in his old age. And being now an old man, he could look back on his life and he could look at all the various experiences that he has been through. And therefore, he's in a good position to give counsel to God's people. And that's exactly what he's doing here in Psalm 37. As an old man, he's looking back. And he could think about those times in his own life whenever he went through many difficulties. Times in his life when he was threatened. Times in his life when he was ill-treated, he was persecuted. Times in his life when he suffered loss. Times in his life when he knew what it was to have trouble within the family. Times when he had entered into many battles as the king of Israel. But the stresses and strains of life have all been there with David. He's no stranger to these particular troubles. And therefore he comes to give counsel to God's people. And you can see at the very commencement of the psalm, he says to them, fret not thyself. And so as David, having been through every experience in life that you could imagine, he's saying to God's people, Fret not thyself. Don't be worrying. He repeats that exhortation. It's not only there in verse 1, but you can see it in our text in verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself. And it's there in the 8th verse as well. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself. And so three times over in our Bible reading, the psalmist David has been saying, fret not thyself. He knows how prone God's people are to fretting, that anxious worry. That word fret, it actually means in the original to burn hot or to wax hot. We would perhaps say today it's referring to one who has got hot and bothered. They have got hot under the collar and, and there's that anxious worry that's there and yet the counsel from God's word and the counsel from David is, fret not thyself. And he's referring to a specific time. It's the evildoer. It's the worker of iniquity. It's when wickedness seems to be gaining an upper hand and when the evildoer seems to be prospering and we look around and we can't understand what is taking place. David said, fret not thyself. We witness today much wickedness. We see today the workers of iniquity. We cannot always fathom comprehend what is taking place 
what the psalmist is giving us counsel, that we are not to be worrying, we're not to be anxious. And he gives us here a number of commands that we are to obey, we're to put into practice at such a time. And the first of them there in verse 3, he says, trust in the Lord. And there is our devotion to the Lord at that particular time. When the difficulty comes, when the trial comes, when evil and wickedness seems to be prospering on every hand, trust in the Lord. How important our devotion to the Lord is to exercise that faith and trust in Him. Not only the devotion, but you can see there in verse 4, the delight. Delight thyself also in the Lord. There's an also there. We're not only to trust in the Lord, but we're also to delight ourselves in the Lord. And that delighting of ourselves in the Lord surely would be speaking to us about our fellowship with the Lord. When we're able to trust in Him and that faith and trust in the Lord would draw us into fellowship and into communion with the Lord and our hearts then rejoice and we can delight ourselves in the Lord. Verse 5, we're called to commit. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. And there is that direction from the Lord. When we trust in the Lord and we delight in the Lord and we commit our way to the Lord, the Lord has promised to guide us and to direct us. Then in our text in verse 7, we're to rest in the Lord. There's our dependence upon the Lord. And if we're going to fret not, if we're going to be free from that worry, then we need to trust and delight and commit and rest in the Lord. And I put the emphasis tonight on those words, in the Lord, because in each of those commands, you can see it in verse 3, it's not just trust, but it's trust in the Lord. And in verse 4, delight, delight thyself also in the Lord. And when we're to commit in verse 5, it's commit thy way unto the Lord. And the rest in verse 7 is rest in the Lord. And if you were to, to dwell upon that, what the psalmist is actually emphasizing here is keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't be looking at the evildoer and the workers of iniquity and how wickedness seems to prosper. Get your eyes on the Lord. And if we can get our eyes on the Lord and not upon the problem, we'll know what it is to be able to rest in the Lord. If we focus on the problem and focus on the circumstances we will become increasingly downhearted. But if we can get our eyes upon the Lord, we'll have the grace to rise above the problems. And we will have the grace to rest upon the Lord. 
So we're thinking of those words in verse 7, wait patiently for him. Waiting and not worrying. I was looking up the word wait. And that word wait has a number of different meanings. And I was surprised to see that one of the primary meanings of that word wait is to twist and to turn in different directions. And it's a word that also refers to pain. And when you put those thoughts together, there's one who's writhing in pain. And they're twisting and turning and writhing in pain. That's what the word wait means. But it has another meaning as well. And the other meaning is really how we view it here. And that is to stay firm and to remain firm. And you can see those various meanings in connection with waiting and waiting upon the Lord. At times we may be going through great trial and great difficulty and we could relate to the twisting and turning and writhing and pain, but we're waiting. We're waiting on the Lord. And so as we think about waiting and not worrying, I just want to leave a few brief thoughts before you. Firstly, there's the patience in waiting. Our text of Scripture says, wait patiently for him. The patience in waiting. Sometimes if we're honest, patience is something that is in short supply. And patience can be something that we're lacking. Sometimes it is said that Women can be more patient than men, but I don't know. I've seen it in every way. There are some women who are impatient as well as men. The little epistle of James, he makes reference to patience. And he says in James chapter 1 and the verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. How do we become patient? Well, James says it's the trying of your faith. In other words, you're going through difficult times and you're going through that which is trying, going through the furnace of affliction. As Paul said to the Romans in chapter 5 and the verse 3, tribulation worketh patience. And so the one who has gone through the mill and the one who has gone through the furnace is the one who learns to be patient. And therefore the Lord allows certain trials to come. And he allows us to encounter certain difficulties in order to teach us patience and to work patience in our lives. And that patience is to be able to wait and to endure, to quietly endure, exercising that faith in the Lord. So James speaks about waiting in chapter 1, but he also speaks about that patience in chapter 5. And in James 5, verses 10 and 11, 
He said, take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. And so when James is looking for an example of patience, he says, look at the prophets. Those prophets of the Old Testament and look at what they had to go through in their day, in their generation. Think about Jeremiah and think about all that Jeremiah had to endure. And James says, there's an example of patience. Then in verse 11 of that chapter, he said, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The patience of Job. That has almost become a saying. You would need the patience of Job to deal with certain individuals, perhaps. And James is the one who brings that example before us, an example of patience. And you think of how Job persevered under a tremendous strain and under tremendous suffering. The patience of Job. In it all, God had his purpose. You've seen the end of the Lord, James says, that the Lord brought Job that particular way for a purpose, for a reason. And then he shows us, well, the Lord was pitiful and of tender mercy. And you could go to those very last chapters in the book of Job and you could see the pity and the tender mercy of the Lord that his end was greater than his beginning. But through it all, the Lord sustained Job in the trial. And the Lord in mercy brought him through it. And James says, you think about the patience of Job. And if we're going to wait on the Lord, we're going to have to wait with patience. Patience. Wait patiently for the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalm 25 and the verse 5, On thee do I wait all the day. To wait all the day to be patient in waiting on the Lord. But then secondly, the peace in waiting for the Lord. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And that rest there, resting in the Lord and waiting for the Lord. There's a picture of that waiting soul and they're experiencing that rest and that peace. The word rest there in the verse 7 of the Psalm 37, as you would imagine, it means to, to be at peace. But it means to be quiet, to be silent, yea, to be dumb, and waiting patiently on the Lord and praying to the Lord. It results in that rest and in that peace. This world at the moment is in a crisis. The world is in turmoil. Wickedness seems to be prospering on every hand and peace, to think tonight about peace, 
peace seems to be the complete antithesis of what we're seeing happening across the world and what's unfolding before our very eyes. But the Bible says in the midst of it all, the Christian can have peace. And that peace comes through waiting for the Lord. You look there at the verse 11 of our psalm. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Now there's an abundance of peace. And that's what the believer can enjoy. And that abundance of peace is found, of course, in the Lord. And in Ephesians in the chapter 2 and the verse 14, Paul makes it abundantly clear. And he says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And so Paul says, It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our peace. The Lord is the very source of our peace because he is the prince of peace and we can come to wait upon him and to rest in him, the giver of peace. Ephesians 2 and the verse 16, it says, And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And so through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross, he has accomplished that peace. And justice is satisfied and sinful man can be reconciled to God and can be at peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And we can know the peace of God within our hearts. Him writer said, peace, perfect peace. In this world of sin, the Holy Spirit whispers, peace within. Alexander McLaren, the Bible commentator, said concerning peace, peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of the Lord. It's not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of the Lord that makes the difference. And so when we think about waiting and not worrying, there's the patience in waiting. There's the peace in waiting. But then I want you to think about the prospect in waiting. Back there in Psalm 37 and that verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself. Because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And the prospect here in waiting on the Lord is the prospect of change. And it changes the fretting soul into the soul that is fellowship with the Lord. We can come from fretting to fellowship. We can come from worry to worship. We can come from that discouragement to devotion and to dependence upon the Lord. And that's the prospect of waiting upon the Lord. That's what we can enjoy. Isaiah 40 and 31 would also teach the same truth. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
That's spiritual renewal. That's the prospect of waiting upon the Lord. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Do we want to know tonight that mounting up and that running and that walking spiritually? Then we wait on the Lord. We rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And that's the prospect and really the promise that the Lord would bring before us as we wait upon him. In Lamentations, the chapter 3, I notice two verses in Lamentations 3. Verse 25 says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. And therefore, as we would come tonight to pray to the Lord and to seek the Lord and to, to wait upon the Lord, uh, the promise is the Lord is good unto them that wait for him. And in verse 26, it says, It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Quietly wait. And Jeremiah, who penned Lamentations, he's saying it's a good thing. The Lord is good to them that wait upon him. And it's good for us to wait upon the Lord. I noticed that in our text of Scripture where it says, wait patiently, the preposition is for. Wait patiently for him. We do, of course, wait upon the Lord. Whenever we're thinking about prayer, we're waiting upon the Lord. But this verse says waiting for the Lord. And that puts a whole new dimension upon the thought of waiting patiently. We're waiting patiently for the Lord. And as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in chapter 1 and the verse 10, he speaks about waiting for his Son from heaven. And that's truly what we're waiting on. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And there's that great prospect. There's that expectation of the child of God. As we wait on the Lord, we're waiting for his son from heaven. We wait in prayer. But we wait also with that great prospect. That one day the Lord himself is coming back again. And that's referred to in Psalm 37. The verse 9. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord. They shall inherit the earth. And there must be a reference there to the second coming of the Lord in power and in glory. Verse 11 would be pointing to that as well. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The essence of our salvation is to wait upon the Lord knowing that one day our salvation will be full and will be complete. We can say right now that we are delivered from the wrath to come, but we know that one day our salvation will be full when we shall be forever with the Lord. 
and therefore we do wait. What a prospect as we wait upon the Lord. Let us be waiting this evening. Let us be waiting patiently this evening. And let us be waiting patiently for him. As Peter would refer to that looking for the Lord and that longing for the Lord, knowing that one day the Lord shall appear. And I finish tonight with a quote from J.C. Ryle. And he said, All true servants of Christ must be content to wait for their wages. All true servants of Jesus Christ must be content to wait for their wages. Let us wait patiently for him this evening. May the Lord bless these thoughts to each of our hearts.